chapter 1, verses 39 through 56, the gospel according to Luke, chapter 1, 39 through 56. This is the word of the Lord. In those days, Mary rose, arose and went with haste into the hill country, the town of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my room leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believes that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me in his holy name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. So ends the reading of God's word. Children ages three years of the kindergarten may now proceed to the little landing. Good morning, faith family at the landing. I am in need of the Lord's help. Let's pray once again that I might ask him. Father, I confess my brokenness, my weariness, my need of you just now. I hunger for your righteousness and the filling that Mary sang of and Larry just read of. I am hungry. I pray for hunger for us that you would remove whatever hinders our hunger, whatever we've filled up on elsewhere cause it to be completely dissolved and removed from within within our souls and make us hungry for God. Make us hungry for the joy that only you can supply. Make us hungry for the peace that only you give. Make us hungry for the glory that only you are. Show us from these two women prophesying over each other what it's like for the spirit of the living God to descend on a dark and needy world and exalt Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. We are hungry to see Christ, even in this passage, for ourselves this day. So come help me, Lord, to make plain sense of the clear teaching of your word. Tune our ears and hearts to hear your voice and to honor you in all that we feel and think and say and do. It's in Christ's precious name I pray. Amen. Mary has been told by the angel Gabriel She will conceive by the Holy Spirit, the Son of God, in her womb. Mary quickly gathers herself and goes with speed to Elizabeth because the angel also said, you've got a relative, Mary. Her name is Elizabeth, the aging one, the barren one. She's great with child, too, six months along. So Mary, in her excitement, hears the news that she will conceive of the Son of God in her womb, and she gathers herself with joy, surely, to go travel the few miles to the town where Elizabeth and Zechariah lived. Her aging and barren relative 
is 24 weeks pregnant with John. So Mary's faith would be encouraged. Is it real? Is what the angel said to me true? If you, Elizabeth, are 24 weeks pregnant, six months along, then I can believe the wild thing he said to me that I, a teenage girl, will bear the Son of God. As their faith and joy abounds, so also should our faith and joy abound as we watch this gathering of this two important pregnancies, maybe the two most important pregnancies in the history of the world. Here they are, young teenage Mary, being told the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and you will conceive the Son of God, and she will look at, into the eyes of Elizabeth, Zechariah's wife, who's six months along, great with child, and they will stand before each other, delighting in each other and in God who gave them these miracles. They will bear, as it were, the one, the final and greatest prophet, John, proclaiming the other, the Son of God, the Son of glory, the very Son of Man. And there are two ladies who get to giggle and shake their heads with wonder and wide-eyed delight at each other's bellies. What is God doing to create our joy? Mary and Elizabeth encourage each other with the twin miracles of the births that are happening to them. Mary's the far greater, yet John great because his proclamation and ministry is utterly tied with the greatness of Jesus. John is to proclaim with joy the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the answer and joy to every broken heart. The reason this account is here in Luke chapter 1, in Luke's mind, and I trust in the Holy Spirit's mind, is to show Theophilus, the one to whom Luke's writing, and to all of us careful readers, that honest, godly, trustworthy persons like Mary and Elizabeth like you and I believe ourselves to be, will believe that the Holy Spirit wrought a miracle of the virgin conception of Jesus Christ in Mary's womb. This is one of the fundamentals of the faith. This is one of the things that they will attack us for. This is one of the things that your heart will battle to believe. This is one of the things that liars will lie about us for. And this is one of the things that Jesus will be hated for. He was virginally conceived in Mary's womb. It is a fundamental to the faith. We will die for this truth that Christ was born to a woman who was a virgin, Mary, before she was even married to Joseph. This is an essential truth, a glorious truth, not just a doctrine to be argued over or died for, but a delightful doctrine by which joy might be deposited in your heart the way Christ, as an embryo, was deposited in Mary's womb. Mary said to the angel, may it be to me, I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. May your heart say right now today, Lord, you mean for your son, Jesus Christ, born to Mary to create real joy in me. I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. The result is that in supernatural Holy Spirit power, as Luke makes plain, God wrought joy in unborn baby John because Jesus showed up. God, by the Holy Spirit, wrought joy in Elizabeth, who's carrying John 
And she prophesies that joy. We'll see it. And God, by the Holy Spirit, has wrought joy in Mary's womb. Because as soon as she comes in, she says, Greetings. Hi, Elizabeth. It's Mary. And Elizabeth says, Boom. As soon as you came in the door and heard your greeting, my boy leapt in my womb for joy. Joy is being multiplied because Jesus arrives in his mother Mary, in her relative Elizabeth, and in Elizabeth's child John. And joy will be deposited in your heart today. Joy should be no surprise, the angel Gabriel said to Zechariah inside the temple when Zechariah was ministering and the angel first appeared to him in Luke 1, 14 and 15. And you, Zechariah, Zechariah will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth, referring to his son John. For he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Great before the Lord your son will be, Zechariah. That means he will do great things And in doing great things, he will give joy to himself and glory to God. So he will be great, and John's ministry will be packed with joy, devoted to God, because God is the source of his and your joy and all our joy, and filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb, because God's Spirit alone supplies joy to our joyless lives. O Holy Spirit, now come powerfully upon me and upon this church as we ache for the joy that you promised to come through Jesus, but very few of us have. I mean a durable joy. Not a joy bound up with circumstances, but a joy that impacts your circumstances. Paul said, we labor not to lord it over your faith, Corinthians, but we work with you for your joy. Joy needs work. Joy needs effort and labor and striving and difficulty because the darkness that covered all the land in the days of Mary and Elizabeth and Jesus' birth is the very same darkness that's trying to sap your joy from you right now. You've been wronged. How do you have joy when you've been wronged? You've been betrayed. How do you have joy when you've been betrayed? You've been lied to. How do you have joy when you've been lied to? You're struggling financially. You're struggling with loss. You're struggling with health issues. How do you have joy? It's it's a mockery to sing songs about joy to the world when you've got none in your heart. We need a miracle from God where he comes by his Holy Spirit and does in our hearts what he did for Mary. He conceives his joy in us through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what this passage is aiming to do. You can see that because John has joy, Elizabeth has joy, and Mary has joy. John has joy. In verse 41, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. John is leaping for joy with response to the presence of Christ in Mary's womb. Mary shows up bearing little Jesus in embryonic form. And immediately, John the Baptist, whose mission in life is to proclaim to people, there's Jesus, kicks his inside of his mother's belly. Look, Mom, that's Jesus. Don't miss Jesus inside your relative Mary. The Holy Spirit comes upon John. That's what Elizabeth prophesies about her boy. It's the Holy Spirit who gives joy. It's the Holy Spirit who gives me joy right now and you right now, even though circumstances seem to mitigate against it. 
But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing, says Acts 13, Luke writing, and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. You'd think that Paul and Barnabas would have no joy, but they shook the dust off their feet against them and went to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And you became imitators, Paul says to the Thessalonians, of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit shines all the brighter when there's opposition, affliction, persecution, and difficulty. Romans 4.13, Paul again says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So when we have lunch at the landing and we're eating together today, it's the overflow, it's the dessert of the joy that we've had from the Lord. Again, Paul says to the Romans in chapter 15, verse 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. In a world like ours, in a community like Duluth and Superior and the surrounding communities, those persons who have joy, even though their life has difficulties, those persons who abound in true and authentic joy before Christ, even though their life has pain, even though their life has obvious pain, Those are puzzling people that bear witness to the greatness and power of the Spirit giving them that joy, even though circumstances rage so intensely against it. Even John's ministry. Do you remember what his voice was when John the Baptist grew 30 years later? He comes along eating locusts, wearing animal skins. What was his proclamation? What did John say? You could put it all in one word. Repentance. Close. Repentance. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who's coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff will be burned with unquenchable fire. What is repentance? True and genuine repentance is at root, most fundamentally, the longing for and the lacking of joy in God. The definition of true repentance is, oh, how I want to vomit this sin out of my life so that I can enjoy the feast of God's love and goodness and joy. That's what true repentance is. John's ministry of repentance was even a ministry of joy. John's existence was defined by being filled with joy from his mother's womb. It's a prophetic call to return to joy in Christ. And by works of humility that maximized his joy right to the very end, John's ministry was a ministry of joy. I would decrease that Christ might increase. Then my joy will be full, says John in John chapter 3. No wonder Elizabeth, his mother, had joy. Look at verses 39 through 45. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country to a town in Judah. She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Mary arrives and greets Elizabeth, John leaps in the womb of Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And what does she do? She prophesies. This is unheard of. A woman filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesying? A woman filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesying? No one prophesies in those days. It was dark and the word of the Lord wasn't coming to anyone. God doesn't speak to us anymore for 400 years. No one hears from God. 
And few believe what we've even heard from him before, yet bother to research it or familiarize ourselves with history past. Yet many prophets, including Joel 2, said in verse 28, It shall come to pass that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions, even on the male and female servants in those days. I will pour out my Spirit, such that Joel 2.32 shall come to pass, and it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the time we're in right now. Elizabeth, John, Mary are the first fruits of this great outpouring of the Holy Spirit to come at Pentecost a generation later. And when the Spirit is poured out upon Elizabeth, she prophesies the joy in God she possesses. Verse 42, And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. What is she saying about Mary that we're all listening in on? Mary... You're pregnant with God, aren't you? You're pregnant with God, aren't you? You're blessed like the angel Gabriel said you would be. You're carrying the Son of God, just like he said. I can't see it physically. You're only in your very first days. You know it, but the Spirit has told it to me, and I know it. And I'm speaking it out. Blessed are you among women. That's exactly what the angel said to Mary. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. It's not just another kid being born. This is the Son of God. This is Elizabeth prophesying over Mary. Mary, you are carrying God. And Elizabeth is delighting in it. She's not saying, oh my, I don't want to be associated with you. Oh my, they're going to say crazy things about you and I don't want them even to know I'm related to you. Oh my, you're not even married yet. What are they going to say? What are they going to do? Are they going to stone you? I mean, they could according to the law. Should I even be associated with you? Should I be supporting you? Should I be letting you come into my house? Did anybody follow you? She didn't say any of those things. She's delighting with prophetic spirit-wrought power in the God that's born inside Mary's womb. Verse 43, And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? The Lord and God that she has bowed to, she now says, is in my relative Mary's womb and I am bowing before the embryo inside your womb. The embryo inside your womb gave me the miracle of my son in my womb. The Son of God, my Lord, my God and my King, dwells inside of you as a fetus, miraculously created the fetus in my womb. He reigns from inside you over everything. He always has reigned. He always will reign. The stunning prophecy of Elizabeth here creates joy in our hearts in its wonder. 
Verse 44, for behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. There's John's joy, but she says it so that it's hers too. Elizabeth is filled with joy, 24 weeks pregnant with John, not just because she's going to give birth to a son, but because she's going to give birth to a son whose mission is to glorify the son growing in Mary. That's why later, just nine months from this time, the angel will come to the shepherds out in the field saying, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Zechariah and Elizabeth needed a Savior. Mary needed a Savior. Joseph needed a Savior. You and I need a Savior. The joy that we have is someone to save us from the darkness that's around us and someone to save us from the darkness that's within us. Christ came into the world to die upon the cross to save victims and victimizers. The, the oppressed and the beat up and the wounded and the hurt and the lied about and the betrayed and those who did all those things. For all who come in genuine joy-seeking repentance, they will be received. What a friend in Elizabeth. What a friend this woman is. Every one of the good readers, writers that I read in study for this passage pointed to the sweetness, the friendship, the joy, the prophetic power, the boldness to throw her arms around Mary and not fear the shame that would come to her in Elizabeth. Florence Nightingale, you know that name, was a strong, mature believer in Jesus Christ all her life. Lots of people forget about that part. She was born in Florence, Italy, but raised in London. She grew high and mighty in the things of Christ as a young person. She walked in close communion with him. She was born in the late 1800s, died in 1920. She had, a, from a young age, chosen a life of service, and she became a nurse in London and served heroically through several wars and difficulties that were going on. In fact, she would go serve in wars, not only the people who were serving for her countryside, but she would serve even the enemies medically. Through the Crimean War and other tragedies in Europe, she was known as the Angel of Light. She attained such excellence in medical nursing as a Christian that she started schools in London to teach other nurses who would serve in Europe and beyond. Her vision of human care came from her high vision of the glory of Christ in humanity. She reminds me so much of Elizabeth. She's an Elizabeth in her submission to the Lord Jesus Christ in every detail of mind and of heart, of will and of action. I read just a little bit of her biography by a man named Leland Riken, and it's so wonderful to see the little ways that she would honor the nurses she was teaching, who then would go honor the patients that they were caring for, even if they were enemy combatants. To her nursing students, Florence was giving instruction medically and spiritually. She wove them both together. Can you believe that? God, Jesus, the gospel, right in with syringes and medicine and other nurse things. Listen to how she instructed her nurses. This is the instruction you get from Florence Nightingale at nursing school. But when we speak with God, 
Our power of addressing him, of holding communion with him and listening to his still small voice depends on our will being one and the same with his. He is our God as he was Christ's. To Christ he was all. To us he seems as nothing, but he is our all. Can we retire to rest after our busy, anxious day with the feeling, Lord, into thy hands I commend my spirit? Can we rise in the morning almost with a feeling of joy that we are spared another day to do him service? Oh, that we'd have nurses taught like that again. Just like Elizabeth. Look at verse 45. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. She honors, she upholds and cares for Mary. Blessed are you, Mary, for you believed exactly what the angel told you, and I believe it too. Darkness still covers the earth at the time that Elizabeth and Mary are meeting. But the light has dawned in Christ's coming, in his full sky-splitting, moon-snuffing, sun-darkening glory, yet to be seen, and we await it still, his second coming. Are you of the darkness, or are you of the light? Are you the person who says, I'm going to go to the weary and the downtrodden, the ones the world will shame and degrade and condemn, and I'm going to throw my arms around them, for I see Christ in them? Do you have a friend like Elizabeth who will always look you in the face and say, I'm going to choose to see the work of God in your life and not see the way the world is prone to criticize you? If you don't have a friend like that, become a friend like that. Be that person. Let's be a church full of people like that who are so eager by the Spirit prophesying through us that we declare the great works of God in one another. Look at Mary's joy. We don't know exactly how soon after this encounter with Elizabeth she writes this song. We're not told. But notice how sweet this song that Mary writes, her Magnificat as it's known, echoes the very song of Hannah hundreds of years before as Hannah prayed for the miracle of her child to be born and God gave her and her husband Elkanah Samuel So Mary is so saturated with the song of Hannah. You just know from history that young women like Mary were not given the luxury of being taught in school the the Word of God as fully as the young men were. But here, so saturated in Mary's head and heart is the words of 1 Samuel 2 that they come out describing her and, and her relative Elizabeth's very situation. She begins with soul-magnifying praise, verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. You should know that the blessing that the angel pronounced over Mary and the blessing that Elizabeth prophesied over Mary was eulogia. In Greek, it means being in a state of blessing. You were once in prison in Russia. Now you've been freed and you're out of prison from Russia and you're back in your home country. That's in the state of freedom. The state has changed. That's the word that the angel and Elizabeth said over Mary, calling her blessed. Then there's an experience of that state being blessed And it's the same word in English, blessed, but it's now makarioi. It means I'm happy in my blessing. I've received and enjoy it. 
That's the word that's used here, Mary, out of her own mouth. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me supremely happy because I have been transferred in my state of blessing by God. I hope you can say, I have been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. I have been transferred by an alien righteousness, as Larry prayed, out of a place of guilt and condemnation to a place of adoption and love and delight and joy where God calls me his son and he my father, where I am well blessed by the very state of my being and therefore I am blessed in the joy of my heart. All generations will call Mary blessed, not because there's something special about Mary. Oh, no, that undoes the whole message. But because there was nothing unique or virtuous about Mary and herself, the blessing is owing to God, meaning we can enjoy the very same blessing. What causes Mary to sing and prophesy this song of blessing over her and Elizabeth and their two children growing in their wombs? Verse 48, he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. I'm nobody. Now on all generations will call me blessed. Verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. He scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Woe to anyone who's confident in their office or role, in their wealth or education or authority. Woe to you and me if we ever find ourselves taking security in our pride. For the proud of the, in their hearts will be scattered. He brought down the mighty from their thrones. Woe to anyone who thinks their influence or their prestige or their place of authority is their security. He exalts those of humble estate, Elizabeth, me, Mary, and our sons and our husbands. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty because the rich are so filled with ungood things that they have no hunger for good things. The humble are exalted, the proud are brought low, the mighty lose their influence, power, and status. God fills the hungry with good things. He fills the rich with the pangs that lead to death. Don't aspire to greatness. The whole world tells you to aspire to greatness. The Word of God and the Spirit of God within you says, aspire to humility. Aspire to what God calls wonderful and good and glorious. Aspire to servanthood, to hunger to poor and poverty of spirit, that God might exalt you in due time. Mary goes on to tell the reasons why her joy comes from God. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He spoke to our fathers, Abraham, and to his offspring forever. God keeps all his promises. He speaks to Abraham and yet says, these are the promises that belong to Israel Paul applies that to all persons who trust Christ by faith. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring who is Christ. So all who are in Christ are under the blessing of Abraham's promise. Mary goes on in verse 50, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. God's mercy is global. Paul applies it in Romans 15, 8. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised, Israelites, Abraham, to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. 
Let Native Americans, let Chinese, let Scandinavians and Europeans, let all those from the Middle East, let Ukrainians and Russians, let all that you can think of from Africa and Asia and all of North and South America and across the face of the earth, as have lived and shall live, let all the peoples praise God through Jesus Christ. Two women, two babies, and the gospel they prophesy, which gives them joy. Verse 56 there says, Mary remained there about three months and returned to her home. Remember how long Elizabeth was with child? Six months. Even me, I can go, oh, ooh, ooh. I know what that means. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Three months plus six months is nine months. Oh, wonderful. Can't imagine Mary going, you're just about to deliver. I'm heading out. No. She stayed there at nine months and said, it's a boy. Praise the Lord, it's a boy. You're going to love this guy, she says to Jesus. Zechariah scratches out. You'll see this in a few weeks, next week. Scratches out on some marking board. His name is John. And immediately he can hear the last scratches of his ear with his ear. Hadn't heard anything for nine months. And all of a sudden, he opens his mouth and he can speak again. Mary celebrates, no doubt, the birth of John with her relative Elizabeth. And six months later, Mary goes back. And in six months, she herself will bear the Son of God. She returns to her home, three months pregnant. You have a crisis. Do you shame her? Ignore her? Try to take a false middle ground, which is impossible, doesn't exist? Or do you throw your arms around and prophesy, that's God growing in your womb, and he's my Lord? You want to be like Elizabeth, who prophesies, fulfilling Joel 2. Eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy, Paul tells the Corinthians. Don't despise prophesying as some are tempted to do, but test everything and hold fast to that which is good, Paul told the Thessalonians. Something inside every believer in this room says, yeah, I want to prophesy too. Give me a place and a location. Good, I'll meet you right outside the east end of Bentleyville at 6. We're going to sing great songs that exalt Christ. Why? Because the darkness in Duluth is just as bad as it was in the first century Palestine. Because Christ has come and he brings joy then as he does now. Because my soul needs more joy than I have. I'm not doing okay. I'm actually broken, as we all are. Because a Savior is born. And the world needs to hear it. They need to be saved out of their lostness just as we did. And because God is worthy to be sung to forever and ever and ever and ever. Let's pray. Father, pour out your Spirit upon this band of believers in this room and upon all believers in this area that we might prophesy with Elizabeth and Mary the boldness of your arrival and the source of joy that you alone supply. I pray, Father, that you would cause an a uncomfortableness that keeps people uh, feeling out of sorts and unlike themselves if they don't sing. How can we stop from singing when such a glorious birth has occurred? 
How can we stop from singing when such a great gospel has been achieved? How can we stop from singing when such a great Savior has come to us in our need? How can we stop from singing when we come to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords who reigned before he was born, while he was in the womb, and since he's been born and reigns now forever? We love you, Lord Jesus, and we're happy to sing of you just now and to tune ourselves up for some serious public prophesying tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. Let's stand and sing. Kings of great joy For every woman, every man This will be a sign for you A warm moon in Bethlehem God and worship, do not be afraid. For the company of angels, glory in the eye. On earth, a peace among those in whom a favor ran. Come and worship. Do not be afraid, my soul, my soul, magnifies the Lord, my soul, magnifies the Lord, He has done great things for me, great things for me. born unto us a son is given let every heart prepare his throne let every nation under him come and worship do not be afraid my soul my soul Magnifies the Lord, my soul. Magnifies the Lord. He hath done great things for me. Great things for me. My soul, my soul. Magnifies the Lord, my soul. Magnifies the Lord. Father, wonderful counselor, everlasting Father, my soul, my soul, magnifies the Lord, my soul, magnifies the Lord. He had done great things for me, great things for me. My soul, my soul, magnifies the Lord, my soul, magnifies the 
magnifies the Lord. Come up here in front on the right and left. Receive prayer if that's the heart desire the Lord has placed within you right now. Enjoy the meal that's been blessed and prepared for us and the members meeting to follow. Receive now this benediction from God's holy word directed specifically to you. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. And everyone said together, amen. You are dismissed.